We pray, Lord, as we reflect on this psalm that you've given us, I ask God that this posture that we see in the psalmist, I pray, God, that you would do something in us. Right now, Lord, there's many, many things going on in our minds and our hearts and our, in our circumstances. Lord, right now, I just ask you to quiet those distractions and speak. We are listening. I pray, Lord, that each of us would just lean a little bit forward wherever we are, that we would have an intentionality and an attitude and a posture being ready to receive whatever you would have for us. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, as I alluded to, we are starting our new series, We Believe, a token of our confession. And today, we are going to be talking about the opening line of the confession, which is the big idea. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is, seen and unseen. This is a part of our creed, and as I was thinking about this and praying about this, this question came into my head. How, when we confess this creed, how do we get this creed off of our walls and into our hearts? How do we get this creed off of just something we say, but something that we sing? Not just something that we join in and we recite out of really rhythms and, and out of almost obligation, but something that when we say it, we believe it. This is my hope for this entire creed series, is as we talk about these ancient words that the church has been reciting for thousands of years. As we join in this, that this wouldn't just be us repeating the words that other people speak, it would be us declaring something that we know to be true and have experienced. In this passage, right off the bat, we see two aspects of who God is. The creed opens up with this confession of who God is, in particular, the Father Almighty. We're gonna be looking at the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Spirit, and today we're talking about the Father Almighty. And it seems to me in this psalm, I love, I love getting to preach this psalm, a psalm that the people of God have been singing for a very long time. Even longer than we've been saying these, this creed. A psalm of David, and a psalm that opens up with a call to God's people to shout. It's almost shocking the way that this psalm opens up as we think about the bigness of God. And as we look at it and reflect on it, it seems to be in this passage, the first thing as we think about who God is, about what it means to say we believe in one God, Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, is we see here the almighty word of the maker. The almighty word of the maker. Today in our reading plan, we got to read from Genesis 1 and, and read through the creation account. When in the creation of the world, God literally speaks into life the universe, and we see the psalmist 
calling to this almighty, all-powerful word of the maker, this transcendent otherness of who God is. If you, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm 33. Let's look at verse six here. It says this. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their hosts. Not only did God speak into existence the universe, his very breath spoke into existence his image bearers, living creatures. It says, he gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. Your NIVs say, he gathers them into a jar. He puts the deep in storehouses. It says, let all the earth fear the Lord. There's this attitude of God's people as we think about the bigness and mightiness and majesty of God, that there's this healthy fear of him. We miss that sometimes in this modern age. It says, let all the earth fear the Lord, let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Have you ever had a moment where you were just standing in awe of something so big and so mighty? Perhaps just right in our backyard at Yosemite. Perhaps watching a sunrise, perhaps just laying on your back and looking at the stars. Psalmist here is saying, as we reflect on the almighty God, maker of heaven and earth, let all the inhabitants stand in awe of him. Why? For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. There's something that's, I think, important as we reflect on what it means to try our best in scriptures, to learn from the scriptures, and to describe for creatures to describe the creator. There's always gonna be, for us as the creatures, this challenge to this. We see in scriptures God is using, inspiring the author here, David, to give us language to help us try our best to understand a transcendent majesty of God. But it's still going to, to fall in comparison to how big and how mighty and, and wonderful and awesome he is. John Wesley, when he was writing about how big God is and our challenge in describing him, he says this, bring me a worm that can comprehend a man and then I will show you a man that can comprehend the triune God. Amen? As we think about the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit, as we think about these confessions of us, there's always this part of recognizing I am a creature describing, praising, giving worship to the Creator. And so we see first in these, in, these, in these verses here, as the psalmist is singing out, we see this all-powerful, we would say omnipotence of God. 
But then we see this beautiful other side, to the co- other side of the coin. When we say Almighty Father, we aren't saying Almighty far off deity. We're saying Almighty Father. This implies a relationship. Do you hear this? It seems to me as we looked at this, what really grabbed me, the word that I just couldn't get away from is this. We see not only the all-powerful, what was the word? The all-powerful word of God, thank you. But we also see the all-knowing gaze of the Father. The all-knowing gaze of the Father. God in all of his power, all of his mighty that we stand in awe of has this all-knowing, we would say omniscience, about the way that he sees you and I. Look at what it says here in verse 10. It says, the Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plan of the peoples. Is that not a good verse for us today? As we think about nations and evil dictators. We sang of it this morning. It says, the counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. In our teaching team, we were talking about this. When the psalmist is singing of the plans of God's heart, what are those plans? In scripture, we know the plans of God. We see from the very beginning all the way to the end, from Genesis to Revelation, that the plans are for God to say, I will be their people and and I will be their God. They will be my people. And I will dwell with them. We see this in creation and we see it in the end in Revelation. God's plans are for us. For communion and relationship with us. To the counsel of the Lord stands forever, the plans of his heart to all generations. And then it says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The people whom he has chosen as his heritage. Notice the sovereignty of God. His people don't choose him, he chooses them. It says the Lord, now look at this language here. The Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all the children of man. From where he sits enthroned, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. And he who fashions the heart of them all and observes all their deeds. This struck me a little different this week. Thinking about the all-knowing gaze of the Father. Thinking about the fact that when God looks at me and sees me, he sees me as an image bearer. He sees me in his perfect design. He also sees all of my flaws, all of my darkness, yet he gazes at me, and yet he gazes at you. And there is love in his heart. We see this here. It says, the king is not saved by his great army, 
A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation, and by its great might, it cannot rescue. In other words, as I think about the way that God looks at me, there's this depravity about me. There's this desperateness about my position. I recognize that I was created to be with God in his perfect plan. We were created to be in Eden, but what happened in Genesis 3? We have fallen. We have sinned and fallen short. And our story ever since has been trying with no success to measure up. And we see this here. We see this, that the author here is saying, there's no king that can save you. There's no strength. Even if you're the strongest of the strongest and you have all the verses memorized and you know all the things and say all the things and sing all the things and pray all the things and do all the things, you're still fallen. There's no war horse, there's no mechanism that you can use to save you. There's this feeling, even in the midst of this psalm, there's this longing in you and I for the Father. There's this longing for him as he looks at us and he sees us and we know he has all the power. And we know he has all this might. There's this yearning in us. A.W. Tozer wrote a great book on theology. He wrote this about this yearning that we have. He said this, the yearning to know what cannot be known, to comprehend the incomprehensible, to touch and taste the unapproachable, arises from the image of God in the nature of God. Deep calleth unto deep. And though polluted and landlocked by the mighty disaster theologians call the fall, the soul senses its origin and longs to return to the source. There's a longing in the creatures for Eden, a longing for all to be made right. And we see this in the all-knowing gaze of the Father. And I, I believe the psalmist here is anticipating this yearning and this longing and this desperateness. Look at what he says in verse 18. He says, behold, the eyes of the Lord is on those who fear him. On those who hope in what? In the war horse? In the king? In the pastor? who hope in his steadfast love. This word steadfast love is a Hebrew word called hasad. It's this, we sang of it today, this pursuing love. This goodness of God that pursues, that you can't stop. This is what the psalmist is singing of. It says that he, verse 19, may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. 
as the psalmist is singing this, speaking of salvation, anticipating that yes, we do have this need for a savior and we are longing to the Father to say, God, as you gaze at this in your power, in your love, would you do something? And then we get to the gospel that says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life, John 3, 16. This is the all-knowing gaze of the Father. This is the gospel. And I believe the psalmist here is singing these truths. He's singing these truths as he declares the almighty God and says, yes, he spoke into existence as he sings of the all-knowing gaze of the Father? The question we feel in this, in light of this, is this. How should we respond? How should we respond to the Almighty Father? How should we respond to the God of the universe who spoke everything into existence and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins, the one who we confess, we believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. How does this declaration go from our head to our heart? Seems to me we see this in this psalm. It's interesting, in Psalm 33, these declarations of who God is are surrounded in the first three verses and the last three verses, we call this in Hebrew poetry an inclusio, of the psalmist responding to God, responding to the, all, the Father Almighty. First, we see the first appropriate response to this gospel, and that's this. Worship the Father Almighty. Worship the Father Almighty. Now when I say worship, I'm not just saying sing. The word worship means to give worth. It's to declare how big and mighty and glorious and beautiful God is, but it is also singing. And it seems to me this informs us as to these first three verses. Look, at because of these truths here, the psalmist says, look at verse one, shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Why are they righteous? Because of what God has done. It says praise befits the upright. It says give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. I need to learn how to say that word. Liar? Okay. Make melody to him with the harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. 
in light of God's goodness, in light of how big and mighty, as we say, the almighty father relationship, God's people, when this goes from the head to the heart, it should cause us to want to shout. It should cause us to want to sing new songs. Why new songs? Because God is so big, so great, so mighty, there's never enough that we can sing. We always have more to sing. We always have more to say. That doesn't mean we reject the old songs, but we always have new songs to sing, new truths that we learn in his word. So as we think about this, there's this response of God's people to worship the Father Almighty. So I've been thinking about this. Thinking for our church, what does it mean for us to go from the head to the heart? Seems to me, for this to happen, is we truly start to believe what we articulate. And you believe it, church, because you've seen it. You believe it because you've seen it. I think about the moments when I have heard the most heartfelt worship, the moments when I have seen the most honest, transparent responses to God, oftentimes those are in moments of deep need. Some of the most incredible worship I've ever experienced is at a funeral is at a funeral of a wonderful saint who served the Lord. And as we sing of the goodness of God and as we sing of the gospel of God, we sing it because we believe it. Even here at church, I love to serve communion and I look around and I see the faces and I know some of the things that many of you have gone through. Profound loss. Profound difficulties and challenges and struggles. And we articulate, I believe, in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, because we believe he is still the Father in that. And even when I don't feel it, I see it in the church. Notice the language of we. Notice the language of our talking with a dear friend this, this week, talking about when he lost his wife of 50 plus years, talking about this frustration, and he told me, disappointment in God. And I asked him, when you were feeling that disappointment, was your faith challenged? He said, no, my faith was never stronger. because I still knew he was here and I knew he was big and I knew he was with me even though I didn't understand and I could still declare my disappointment in him. And as he shared that with me, something happened in me and my faith. Do you see this, church? You see this is why we as a church take communion together? Do you see this is why as a church we sing together, we pray together, we don't just sit at home and do this on our own, we need each other to declare these truths. 
As we declare the Nicene Creed together, this articulation of our beliefs, we do it together. There's a video I saw as I was preparing this from these Egyptian Christians in this group. Can you play that video, Colton? Is this the time? Show this video. Now you have no idea, unless some of you speak this language, but that was the Nicene Creed. That was a group of our brothers and sisters in Christ speaking in their language the same words that we declared today in the midst of conflict. The same words that brothers and sisters in Ukraine declare, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, the one who even when things don't seem to go the way I would have them go, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth of all that is seen and unseen. Even when I seem to see things a certain way, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen, the things that I cannot see. And as we reflect on this, as we declare these truths together, it's not just worship the Almighty Father, it's also, hear this church, trust the Almighty Father. Yes, there's this worship of shouting out, sometimes in celebration, sometimes in anguish, but there's also this trust. Look at verse 20 here, it says this. Our soul, notice it says our. Our soul, our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. But think about this trusting of the Father. This week, my son Jude, homesick, and Jude gets a fever. It's this really scary thing that happens where he starts to get like delusional and have these nightmares. And he wakes up and he starts to have these very scary thoughts. And he woke up from one of these nightmares in the middle of the day and I could see fear in his eyes. He was, he was just afraid of things that I didn't see. And I remember, I, I literally just held him and I said, Jude, daddy is here. And I prayed to God the Father and I said, Holy Spirit, would you please show him? Would you wake him up? And I held him and he continued to be afraid, but yet he continued to sit in the arms of his father. And he did not know, he was, he was delirious at the time, he did not know what was going on, but I believe he knew he was in a safe place. It seems to me here, as the psalmist is talking to you and I, you may be in a place where you do not understand. 
where you cannot articulate the why, where there has been some very real trauma or pain in your own life, and we are learning here as God's people that we need to be a people who sit in the arms of the Father, the perfect good Father. As you reflect on this today, I wanted to leave you with this question. How are you going to respond? Do you believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen? As you think of this, I would encourage you this week, how are you going to respond? Here's some ways I would encourage you to think about responding. One, in worship, perhaps this week, walk outside and look around. Look at the stars. Look at the handiwork of creation. Watch a sunset. Watch a sunrise. In the scriptures it says, be still and know that I am God. Seems to me part of our worship needs to be able to slow down, wake up, and smell the coffee. For me, coffee will probably be a part of that. For all you crazies that gave that up for Lent, I'll pray for you. (laughs) As you think about worship, perhaps for some of you, I would say, sing the songs. Sing the songs. Sing the songs in church here. Whether we sing the song you like or the song that you hate, sing it because it's true. Sing the songs. Sing the songs in your car. Sing the songs in your home. Sing the songs when you lie down and when you wake up. These are songs that we sing the truth of God. And pray the prayers. Talk to your Father. As you reflect on these truths, my hope, church, as we lean into what it means to be a people who believe in the Almighty God, in the Almighty Father, that there's this gospel that he he comes to us and invites us as adopted children into his family. So I would encourage you as you reflect on this, would you think about how you this week will worship and how you will trust. Perhaps for some of you it's just declaring the truths of God over some of the challenges you have going on. As you think about this, I wanted to close by singing probably one of our favorite songs. It's a song that goes like this. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. I love this because it says, then sings my soul. We see this in the first three verses, but my soul sings. My eternal soul sings. And so I just wanted to, as a church here, for everybody watching online, you're missing out. I just wanted to right now as a church sing together, maybe even shout. 
to our God. Would you pray with me? Lord, we are so thankful that in your majesty, in your power, in your sovereignty, in your bigness, God, in your holiness, God, we can't even describe you. You are incomprehensible, yet you reveal yourself to us. Yet you call us by your gospel to believe in you through Christ, through his work on the cross. We are justified. And we can call out, Abba, Father. I pray, Lord, as we sing, I pray, God, that this would be a moment when our souls sing. I pray, Lord, for anybody here that feels far from you, that, that has never put their faith in you, I pray right now, God, they would receive this invitation, that they would say, I believe, and out of worship for, for you, they would say, I believe you are Lord, you are my Savior, you save me, and then they would sing to you and trust you with that thing that is bugging them. Help us to be a people that gives all of this to you, we love you, we sing to you, we give you all the glory and all the praise in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, amen. Would you rise and sing with us?